reading from the Pew Bibles on page 546, Psalm number 9. I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you, and I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. My enemies turn back. They stumble and perish before you, for you have upheld my right and my cause, sitting enthroned as the righteous judge. You have rebuked the nations and destroyed the wicked. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. Endless ruin has overtaken my enemies, and you have uprooted their cities. Even the memory of them has perished. The Lord reigns forever. He has established his throne for judgment. He rules the world in righteousness and judges the peoples with equity. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Sing enthroned in Zion. Proclaim among the nations what he has done, for he has hidden. The Lord is known by his acts of justice. Strike them with terror, Lord. Let the nations know they are... Lovely, there you go. So what are you most likely to forget? It might be all birthdays, yeah, not your own. Other people's? <laughs> yes, Janet. Switching phone to silent. A very timely reminder, thanks. <laughs> yeah, what else? Anything else we're likely to forget? People's names. I definitely struggle with that one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 I think that's definitely true as well. I think there's lots of things we might be likely to forget. Here's uh, the list of the top 15. You might not be able to read all of those, but I'll go starting at the bottom. Your anniversary. It's a dangerous one to forget. Uh, picking up your kids. I remember distinctly being left in a petrol station once by my mum growing up. Um, it might be your purse or your wallet, where you parked the car, particularly at airports. Very stressful. Uh, a friend's birthday, Ron, we're empathizing there with you. Um, where you put your car keys, that's for you or us. It might be your phone, putting it onto silent to water the plants. Lots of dead plants in the street household. Um, it might be taking the washing out of the washing machine, have to go back for a second time. Your glasses, probably on your head. To take carrier bags to the supermarket with you, that's an annoying one. Drinking a cup of tea whilst it's still warm, nothing worse than a, a lukewarm cup of tea in my mind. Um, passwords, very frustrating. Um, and then why you went into a room. Oh, wait, I missed one. What was I going to say? Oh, yes, what were you going to say? There you go. Um, all kinds of things that we might be likely to forget. It can be very easy, can't it, to forget all kinds of things. But when it comes to forgetting things, do we forget God? Do we forget God? In the busyness of life, trying to juggle a million and one different things, and listening to the many different voices that will be speaking into our lives, do we forget God? Speaking personally, I know that when I'm in the midst of a really busy week, the temptation for me is that time spent with God is the first thing to get squeezed out. Time spent listening to God, speaking to me from his word, but also time speaking with God in prayer. 
I'm sure that's not just me here this morning. I think in our age of technological advancements, we seemingly have a never-ending supply of time-saving devices and gadgets. Picture it, while you boil your kettle, you can reply to an email on your phone, you can respond to a message on your watch, and you can check the weather via your Alexa. All these kinds of amazing time-saving things you can do, that technology at your fingertips. We've never had so many time-saving devices, and yet, we have never been as time poor as we are now. Whether it's catch up with friends, our workload, keeping the house tidy, we feel perpetually stretched, like there's never quite enough time. And when we feel like that, what's the first thing that falls off our to-do list? What's the last thing that we get around to but never quite manage it? Well, I think for many of us here, it will be our relationship with God, our daily walk with him. We live in a society that is busy, noisy, and time poor. And as individuals living in that society, will we all too easily forget God? So the question we're left asking ourselves is this. How do we remember God? In the midst of all of that noise and that busyness, how can we ensure... Whoopsie. A little bit ahead there. How can we sh- be? Uh, how can we ensure that we're remembering God and not just forgetting Him? Well, David here in Psalm 9, that Psalm that Russ read for us, gives us a wonderful answer to that question. David shows us in these verses that we remember God by developing a thankful heart, and we see that really clearly drawn out for us in our opening two verses of this Psalm. Let me read them again for us. I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. We remember God by counting our blessings, by seeing God's hand in our lives. And when we do that, well, like David, we won't be able to to help but sing about who God is. We won't be able to stop ourselves from telling others about just how good he is to us. So what is it that makes our hearts sing? What is it that's going to get us shouting God's name from the rooftops? Well, David here in these verses, he gives us an incredible list of things. We started, didn't we, with that list of things that we're likely to forget. But here... David gives us another list, a list of reasons to be thankful to God for who he is, for what he's done. And it's a list that will help us to develop thankful hearts. And in so doing, remember God and not forget him. So why should we have thankful hearts? Well, because God upholds us. We see that in the beginning of verse 4. For you have upheld my right and my cause. Because God rightly rules and justly judges. The second half of verse 4. There is God sitting on his throne and as a righteous judge. Both king and judge. What a combo. Verses 5 and 6. Because God brings justice on those who do wrong. Don't we want to celebrate that this morning in a world that is so unjust? Verse 7. Because God reigns forever. Governments and prime ministers come and go in 
alarming speed, but God reigns forever. Verse 7 in the second half, because God reigns, he reigns forever, but he reigns righteously and judges justly. That's the kind of God that we have. Verse 9, because God is a refuge for the oppressed. God is a refuge for the oppressed. Because God is a stronghold for the troubled. What a beautiful image that is. I don't know if any of you are going on holiday later um, this month or have been on holidays. For me, it's not a holiday unless I visit a castle, much to Sarah's um, disappointment. I love a good castle. One of the things I enjoy most is just seeing the strength of that stone that has lasted centuries. It's a stronghold. And that's the picture that David gives us here of what God is like for the troubled. A thick, strong world, a stronghold that will stand the test of time. Why else do we have a thankful heart? Because God never forsakes those who seek him. That's what we see in verse 10. God never forsakes those who trust him, who seek him. All this, that amazing, amazing list of what God has done, that is what God is like. That leads David to conclude in verse 11, Sing the praises of the Lord enthroned in Zion. Proclaim among the nations what he has done. So seeing who God is, well, that shapes within David a thankful heart. And he finds himself unable to do anything but sing and shout about God. Sing and shout about God. Why don't you have another look at that list, if you can see that on the slide, or or perhaps just in those verses in your Bibles. Have a look at that list in verses 3 to 12. And just have a think. What is it for you that most makes your heart sing this morning? What is it for you from that list that makes you want to shout about how good God is? Why don't you just take a moment, um, if you're happy to, with your neighbor, those sat around you, just to share from that list, what is the one thing that perhaps most stands out to you, most makes your heart sing this morning? Just a minute or two to do that with a neighbor, if you're happy to, and then we'll come back together again afterwards. Great, just a, a moment to share there. Um, would anyone like to share what particularly stood out to, to you or the other person um, in your pair? As Ron and I were um, discussing how God is our stronghold and our refuge, and that's a beautiful imagery, and particularly timely as well, I think. Um, for anyone else, what did they particularly find that makes their heart sing, never forsakes us? Absolutely. Yes, yeah, yeah. They're not, they're not kind of passive things we learn about God. They, they give us things, don't they? They get us to hope. Absolutely. Yeah. There's all kinds of things that might stand out to us from those verses. That the stability, the strength, the wonderful deeds, the justice, but also his tenderness to those who are struggling. It's a wonderful contrast, isn't it, there? This, this king and this judge and this tender father who cares for his children. We can remember God in our everyday lives by having hearts that are shaped by gratitude. I think that's been a real help for me looking at these verses this week to allow my heart to be shaped by gratitude. And our hearts are all the more rooted in that sense of thankfulness <clears throat> as that happens when we recognize and celebrate who our God is. So as David shouts and sings, he's showing us what it looks like to remember God. That's what it means to remember God, to be singing and to be shouting of who he is, of what he's done. But, but then, what do we get in verse 13? 
uh, or the question we get in verse 13 is, well, is this drastic change, this sudden dramatic change? If we were to, to set this uh, psalm to music, this particular song to music, I think we say that the first half is, is happy, is hopeful, as you were just saying, Russ. It's an upbeat tune that reflects that sense of gratitude. But then we get verse 13, and that tune suddenly changes to something darker, more serious, somber. Because here, David now reflects on his current circumstances, and he's in a tough situation. Verse 13, Lord, see how my enemies persecute me. Have mercy and lift me up from the gates of death. This psalm moves suddenly from thanksgiving to a cry for help amid suffering. And life is just like that, isn't it? One moment, things feel easy, good, and we're full of thanks to God. But then we find ourselves reminded that we live in a broken world that is marred by sin and suffering. And we find ourselves crying out to God. Maybe wondering, well, not do we forget God, but does God forget us? When our worlds go sideways, where is God in the midst of that? When the dark clouds loom, dark clouds of suffering, of loss, bereavement, terminal illness, of difficult work situations, of financial pressure, of loneliness, of the church feeling increasingly small and weak, in a world full of wars and pandemics. Or instead of a thankful heart of that list of things we've seen, or maybe more this morning, we have a heavy heart. Where we look around the world, we look at our own lives, and we ask, instead of that list of things we saw, we ask, does God uphold us? Does God rightly rule and justly judge? Does God bring justice on those who do wrong? It doesn't always feel like it. Does God reign rightly and judge fairly? Does God provide a refuge for those who are oppressed? Does God provide a stronghold for the troubled? Will God forsake me if I fail to seek him? And that last one, that's the big question for us this morning. Will God forget and forsake us if we fail to seek him, to remember him as we should? Well, the problem is that when it comes to who actually seeks after God, well, the Bible is pretty clear. By ourselves, there is no one who seeks God. Romans 3 makes it painfully clear. It says, there is no one righteous. No, not one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. So there, if there is no one who seeks God, no one who rightly remembers God, then there is no one who will be remembered by God. That's part and parcel of having a just and fair <clears throat> excuse me. That's part and parcel of having a just and fair God. Verse eleven of our psalm says that those who seek God will never be forgotten by him. Wonderful, we think. But how about those who fail to seek him? Those who instead of remembering God, forget him. Well they will be forgotten forgotten by God forever. It's incredibly heavy stuff. And this leaves us desperately wondering, wondering, well then how does God remember us into our desperation, our hopelessness? 
we are driven to one, one who was completely innocent, one who perfectly remembered God. It's as we look to Jesus, we see the one who remembered God, yet was completely forsaken by him. At the cross in Matthew's gospel, we hear Jesus cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The son forsaken by the father. Jesus, who lived a perfect life, but died the death of the guilty, was forgotten. And just as we who have fallen short of God's, God's standard, who failed to seek God, just as we deserve to be forgotten, well, in our place at the cross, Jesus is cut off from the Father. Jesus is forgotten so that we can be remembered. Can you see the wonder of the cross this morning? It is the place where our wrongs are dealt with, our guilt done away with, but it's also the place where we find belonging, security, hope for now, and the future. The cross changes everything. In fact, it changes how we can sing this psalm. Having gone to the cross, having seen how Jesus was forgotten so that we can be remembered, well, we can now be even more sure than David was. That's right, even more sure and confident than David was. Our assurance is more cast iron than David's because it's not do, do, do so that we won't be forgotten, but rather it's done, done, done by the finished work of the cross so that we can be sure we will be remembered. And because Jesus died in our place, we can be surer than David that God will always be there for us. David, his heart shaped by gratitude, praised God for who he was. But for us here today, who stand this side of the cross, we can look back and we can sing and shout with even more confidence because of what Jesus has done for us because of who he is. Again, we can go back to that list and recognize David's thankful heart, but for us, we can have a Christ-shaped heart, recognizing that Jesus, who healed the sick and ultimate, offers us ultimate freedom from suffering, he upholds us. Jesus, as God's promised king, rightly rules. Jesus, as God's appointed judge of all people, brings justice on that day to those who do wrong. Jesus, who was raised to life and defeated death, well, he is the one who reigns forever. Jesus, who said, let all those who are weary come to me and I will give you rest, is a refuge for the oppressed. Jesus, who defeated sin as the rock of our salvation, well, he is our stronghold for the troubled. Jesus does not ignore us, but rather he intercedes for us. Because of Jesus, who sought God, well, we can know that we will never be forsaken. Can you see the difference that Jesus makes? David comes to a conclusion uh, towards the end of Psalm 9 after the roller coaster of emotions that he's taken us on. And he says in verse 18, but God will never forget the needy. The hope of the afflicted 
will never perish. If you're feeling in need this morning, God will never forget you. If you're feeling the weight of affliction today, there is hope that never dies. And if David can say that, well, we can know that for ourselves, this is true even more deeply. If you're trusting in Jesus, then in the busyness and the brutality of our everyday lives, we know with complete conviction that we belong, that we're secure, we have hope, and that we will be remembered. Isn't that worth singing about? Isn't that worth sharing? He was forgotten so that we could be remembered. Let's pray. And as we pray, there's uh, some words that I've got on the screen that flow out of what we've been looking at uh, in this psalm. Um, And I think it'd be helpful, perhaps if you want to have a look at the screen, if you just want to close your eyes, I'll pray these words for us slowly, and you can um, pray them in your hearts and minds as well. So let's pray in response to what we've seen. Lord, so many of my problems stem from not remembering you. I forget you, who you are, what you're like, and so I worry. I forget your grace, and so I am ungrateful. I forget your mercy, and so I am resentful of others. I thank you for Jesus, who on the cross was forgotten so that I could be remembered. Help me now as one secure in Christ to know that I will never be forsaken or forgotten by you. Lord, let that be what causes me to sing and shout about just how good you are. May I remember who you are every moment of this day and every day. Amen.